Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by a product I'm pretty sure I couldn't live without at this point, Hempland USA. I'm going to give you some discount codes, going to tell you about how it's been absolutely life-changing for me, so stay tuned for that. Uh, oh, guys, I am in a bit of a food coma right now, so... I interviewed Dana Kathan from Vanderpump Rules earlier today. She was an amazing guest. I can't wait for you to hear from her. Um, but I'm recording my intro uh, later. And uh, you know, I took some time off after the interview. She left around like 3 p.m. So then I went and worked out. And then I picked up some food from the grocery store. Boy, did I make... Listen, I don't want to brag, but I'm going to brag one of my new favorite meals, but I'm in such a food coma right now. I got some candles lit in my apartment. It's very like slow jams. I'm basically like the Barry White of podcasting right now. You know, I hope you're feeling the sensual mood. Actually, I don't want to put you in that mood if you're at work. Calm it down, guys. You know what I mean? Put it back in your pants. I don't want to, you know. Um, <laughs> no, I just I like, okay, so I made old fashioned pork with some like old fashioned gravy. I'm sorry if you're a vegetarian. Listen, I've been eating a lot of vegan food lately and my best friend Sabrina's coming to visit in a day or two and now she's vegan for 2020. She said to uh, respect her privacy during this time. Um, so I'm going to be eating a lot of vegan stuff. So it's not like I only eat meat all the time. I do a lot. But, oh my God, this so this meal was so good. Some old-fashioned pork, some like nice brown gravy on it. Over, instead of just going straight starch nation which i normally do i made celery root puree yes i did put one potato in there because my last name's o'brien all right and i have to but i mean it made a lot like i'm gonna eat this for days now but just picture it just a nice celery root slightly potatoey mashed like a mashed potato but with celery root and a little pork with some gravy over it I'm in heaven right now. Anyway, so if I sound a little low energy, it's because uh, my entire body is digesting so much food right now. Anyway, um, <laughs> so back to the show. Um, so my show dates coming up, by the way, are uh, February 19th, Detroit, Michigan. Hope you guys can make it to that. I'm super excited, terrified of how cold it's going to be, but we're going to get through it together. I just ordered some boots on Just Fab. Yeah, they're four inches tall, but... Maybe those are meant to be in the snow. Maybe that means I can hike through the snow and I'm elevated above it. That's my thought. Um, so super excited about that one. And then um, we have, oh, and then uh, March. Okay, so this is going to be really fun. March 4th, um, another Bravo comedian. So I'm going to be totally honest. And I was honest with Dana um, before we started podcasting. And I was honest with Hannah Burner when I talked to her on the phone. I've never met her in person. She's from Summer House to discuss uh, me doing a show with her. Now, I acknowledge that my sensitive uh, comedian ego uh, was a little bit like, why is everyone getting into comedy? Like, I've been doing this for almost 10 years just because you're on a show. And then I was like, fuck no, I support these girls. Like, what am I thinking? Like, it actually, like, I wasn't, it wasn't that I wasn't supportive. It just, like, it just took me, like, a second. Because, for example, in Hannah's case, I mean, she's uh, been doing stand-up, I think, like, less than a year yet, but she is hilarious, and she's been writing comedy for a long time. But she's doing a show in Los Angeles on March 4th. I hope you guys can come. She's headlining at Dynasty Typewriter. I've never been there, but I, I, I've i heard it's cool. The old um, manager of uh, the Hollywood Improv, the old booker, Jamie Flam, who I've had on the podcast, like, a long time ago, he uh, kind of started this place, and it's supposed to be a really cool spot. So, 
anyways, uh, she messaged me to have uh, to be a guest on my podcast when she's here. And then we decided we we're going to swap. And then she was like, I'd love if you would uh, feature for me on the show. And I was like, I've been doing this 10 years. I don't feature for. Eh. But then I was like, Rachel, stop being an asshole. Like, it's going to be a fun experience. You're going to meet some of like, um, I'm going to meet some of you or her probably podcast listeners whom I never met before, you know, and. So before I said yes, I was like, yeah, I think that sounds really cool. I was like, what well, can we chat on the phone? Because we've never met. And so we, I called her and she couldn't have been cooler. And she was like, kind of like how Dana was when I talked about like acknowledging like it is, you know, it's kind of comedy is just like this annoying old school thing where we think like, all right, you have to be doing this amount of years before you're taken seriously, you know? And it's like, these girls are funny and they should have a shot. And anyone who could who is in comedy, who was given the opportunity they were to maybe sell tickets easier than someone who's been doing it longer, they'd take that opportunity too. And I also can't claim that I didn't use any Vanderpump following for that. So I had to like check my ego and be like, Rachel, shush, definitely do the show with Hannah. It's going to be a blast. Uh, and I even, before I podcasted with Dana, I was like, I have to be honest, before I got to know you and before I saw her stand up on Vanderpump, which aired I think it was two weeks ago it did and I I didn't even have her number and I texted Kristen to get her number to tell her you did a really really good job she's really funny yes she's new at it but she's pretty freaking good and um but yeah I said to her in person before we started podcasting I was like hey I gotta tell you I was a little irritated right away before I knew you that like and then I and then I was like then I just checked myself and I was like why am I I don't own comedy um so yeah that's just a little backstory on the world of female comedians and you know bravo personalities i guess um but yeah uh, you're gonna freaking love dana and she is so talented and so smart but oh yeah so march 4th i'm a dynasty typewriter in los angeles with hannah burner that's gonna be a blast um i don't have a ticket link yet up on my site but i will soon that's rachelobriancomedy.com but if you just go to dynasty typewriter or hannah's website i'm sure you'll find it um if you're in los angeles and then um, March 28th, uh, I'm in Long Island, March 29th in Boston, and I hope to see you guys there and working on some Texas dates soon and uh, hoping for Indianapolis soon too. That's where my boyfriend's from and, you know, he's got a family of about a thousand. So, I mean, even if you guys don't come to the show, which I hope that you do, please come to the show. I think his family will fill the seats. <laughs> so definitely looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some fun stuff uh, lined up. Super excited about that. So... Um, you're going to want to listen to the end of this podcast because we get into, okay, so when I release this podcast tomorrow, so it's Wednesday the 28th right now, 20th, 29th right now, I'm going to release it on uh, Thursday the 30th. Um, and uh, when I release the podcast, I'm also going to release a video that I had Dana airdrop for me of one of the, oh, my Bluetooth speaker just went off sorry if you heard that the robot in the background it's my speaker telling me to shut up um oh my god so I'm gonna release this video she said I could of one of the scariest paranormal things I have ever seen that wasn't in a horror movie and it's uh, an experience Dana had it's freaking nuts um so listen to the end of the podcast it's like in the last couple minutes um so you can hear what that's going to be if you follow me on uh instagram at Rachel, R-A-C-H-A-E-L-N-O-B-R-I-E-N. I'm going to post it. Crazy. Also, another crazy reveal is her mom had a connection with the Green River Killer. So obviously, uh, Dana and I are both true crime fans and uh, murderinos and like 
so we definitely bonded over that. We talk a lot about um, her comedy career, um, being on Vanderpump, being new to the crew, like how that's happened and what filming's like. And we touch on mental illness. We touch on you just her childhood and background. And I think you guys are really going to love her. Um, and thank you for sending in so many awesome questions. You guys were great about that. And uh, and for being such awesome, awesome humans. I love you guys. You're amazing. And I'm really proud that you're in my community. So, um, yeah, without further ado, give it up for Dana Kathan of Vanderpump Rules, stand-up comedy, and just all-around cute human. Uh, Dana Kathan? Kathan. Kathan. God damn it, I already messed God, up. you almost Dana did it. Dana Kathan. Well, okay. I'm going to defend myself that I think that your last name is like Adams or something because of your Instagram name. It's like Dana or Day Dana. Dana Danes. Yeah, or something like that. So I've like made up a new last name for you in my head. Right. That's fine. I mean, I'm not married to my last name. Okay. So we and must if you fucking married, change it up. Right. That's out the window. Oh, yeah. Oh, Do you yeah. want to get married? Honestly, I don't I don't know. I could go either way. I don't I don't know that marriage always works for people, but I definitely want a long-term partnership, so I just don't know what that looks like yet. Yeah, totally. Um okay, so let's go back cuz I don't want to just strictly talk about Vanderpump guys. We're going to get into all the Vanderpump shit and I have so many questions that you guys uh, wrote in. I'm going to ask most of them um or try to get to all of them. Um but I want to talk more about you, your journey to like moving to LA, where you grew up, all that stuff because I think it's important to get to know the person outside of like what someone sees on the show. So where are you from? I am from, I'll always say Seattle, Washington, but Mm -hmm. seldom are people from Seattle proper. So I'm from South Seattle. It's a little uh, town called Federal Way. Federal Federal Way, Washington, born and raised. I'm from the Pacific Northwest too. I'm from a very small town, you might know it, called Astoria. Like three hours from Seattle. No shit. Yeah. How did I not know you were from Washington? Well, Astoria is, it's Oregon, but it's like the northern most point there's like a bridge that connects Astoria to Washington so basically I mean I mean so like right like right near Vancouver is like yeah is that very very close okay yeah it's not that bridge it's a different one it's like basically uh it connects to like Long Beach or whatever Long Beach Washington yeah 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 okay yeah I knew there anyways well PNW yeah what up and actually um a girl had a really interesting question about um so I guess I am getting in but that reminds me and I thought this was interesting because I felt this way sometimes about the Pacific Northwest um that there's a lot of murderers there well, yeah, we're like, yeah, serial, we're so good at serial killers. We're so, so good at serial good. killers. The happy face killer. Do you know about that one? No. Oh my and God. I know about a, like all serial killers. So that's surprising. There's a, a podcast out. It actually came out like a couple years ago, I think, where it's the guy's, the serial killer's daughter who's like real, like t- she's on the podcast and like, tr- like talking to the host and like victims and stuff oh, shut and up. her victims' families. And like, she like recounts that she was, um, she remembers when her dad left and the, and she would stay at his house and she remembers seeing what she thought was like, I forgot if she said it was like paint maybe on the ceiling, but it was, it was like red. And then looking back now, she realized it was blood splatter. Oh my God. Yeah. It's fucking terrifying. See, I love that shit, but I had to back away from true crime a little bit because I'm so paranoid and psycho. And like the more you expose yourself to that, it just like I, every gust of wind, I'm like definitely a murderer. Oh, especially so. when you live alone. Like I yeah. have to, I have to chill on it. I mean, I try to like only listen to it like in the middle of the day, like not before I go mm-hmm. to bed. But yeah, I do have a knife under my bed. I also have this like, see that little like wedge thingy right there? Mm-hmm. That is a um, a device that I put near my door at night. So if someone was to open my door, it will activate an alarm. <laughs> Where did you get that? Because I need one. My friend got it for me. I'll, I need to, I'm going to, guys, I'm going to post that on 
uh, Instagram when I figure out where she got it. That's amazing. Because, I'm gonna, yeah. I need that also. I have a knife and then I have pepper spray. And like I can tell how rough of a night I've had when I wake up in the morning and if the knife and the pepper spray are like on my nightstand because I took them out in the middle of the night because oh, yeah. like, I heard something, you know. Totally, totally with you on that. Like I'll pull the knife like like and just put it like further not under my bed, but just where I'm like in, in arm's reach. In arm's reach at yeah. all times. I don't recommend if you are terrified, any of you guys, to watch the TV show um, Unbelievable. Or yeah, I think it's on Netflix. I tried to watch about 15 minutes of it. Don't watch it if you're a girl that lives alone. Nope. I um, avoided that. And then This American Life uh-huh. is one of my other favorite podcasts. And they did an episode on it. And it was like 15 minutes in before I realized what the story was. And I was so gripped by it. And so I basically just listened to an audio version of the show. Oh, okay. And I fully regret listening to it. It was so horrible. So you did not watch the show? I didn't watch it, but I listened to a podcast about it. So... I don't even know if I could do that. I watched about 15 minutes of it and I was like, horrific. What, what am I doing? Like I'm torturing myself. Okay. So this is the the question from Amy, um, Millet. I can't guys. Come on. Um, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> she, said, she called me Catherine. Yeah, fine. that's fine. Kathan. Um, she said, you're from Seattle. Do you think the Seattle freeze is real? And is there an LA freeze too? And then she said, Rachel, Seattle freeze is the term for it being very difficult to make close friends in Seattle despite everyone being basically nice. Fuck yes, the Seattle freeze is real. It's so, the thing about Seattle is everyone knows each other from elementary school, middle school, high school, and then we, people either go to UW or Wazoo for the most part, the two Mm -hmm. big state colleges. So when we get out of college, everyone migrates back to Seattle and then you're, you have these cliques that are formed that are just people have been together forever. No one's had to make effort to make other friends. So people are inherently unfriendly. Like if you bump into someone on the street, they just like give you the dirtiest look. And Mm -hmm. I think it's funny because people have the stereotype about that, about LA that the most, most part people aren't friendly, but I feel like people in LA are fucking great compared to people in Seattle. I love that you said that. What's your take on that? Totally. I was, I was going to guess that that was going to be your answer because I felt the same way about Portland, Oregon. So I... So I feel like Seattle and Portland are both cities where if you didn't grow up in the city. So I grew up two hours from Portland, but I went to college at University of Oregon and I lived in Portland for like, so I graduated college Fuck early. Fuck the ducks. Sorry. <gasps> no, they were wonderful. Fuck the ducks. They're so good. So I lived in uh, Portland for like uh, two months after college because I graduated mm. early and it was like in limbo with my boyfriend. Like I was trying to move to whatever. And even though I had gone to college with a lot of people that were there, it felt the same way where it was like they had their high school cliques already, like in like, uh, you know, in Portland. And it's like, I also felt like it was a lot of like, kind of like rich kids, you know, kids that went to like, went to private school together and they all like, all their parents work at Nike and they all do this certain thing. And it's like, if you didn't fit into that or know Mm -hmm. them, like they can be very like, yeah, like not inclusive at all well anyone who knows the greater Seattle area when they hear federal way will know that I did not grow up with money just because of the area I grew up in and then when I went to college that was my first exposure to people who are all from what we call like the east side Bellevue Kirkland Mm -hmm. Mercer Island like where Bill Gates lives there's all this money and so I had such a different background than all of those girls Mm -hmm. so it was like culture shock to me and even breaking into that getting to college with all these girls who even if they didn't go to the same high school, all kind of knew each other just mm-hmm. from that general area. Like no one knew anyone from fucking federal way. Totally. Like, yeah. So it was like hard to even break into that. Yeah. I had a few people that went to my college that I like grew up with. So we were able to like hang out and I was never necessarily like intimidated by like money, even though, because my, my parents were successful, but small town successful. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, we, yeah. Didn't, we only had one school to go to. There was yeah. no, it was small. There were no clicks. Like there's no, we were just kids that went to school. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I guess I, 
Yeah, I didn't feel like I fit in with any of that, but I don't think I really wanted to because I just felt like, I don't know. Yeah. But I think your theory on LA is right because LA is a bunch of transplants. So we 100%. all need friends here. Mm-hmm. So we're like eager to like, okay, what are you? Okay, awesome, you know? I think LA in general gets a bad rep, but it's people who want to hate it. I think people just have mm-hmm. that preconceived notion and want it to be a bad place. But like, I fucking love LA. Yeah. I'm, I'm never leaving LA. I yeah. love all the people here. Everyone is coming here for something. It's just a great city and like a lot more friendly than Seattle. I, I couldn't agree more. I think it's, I think it's wonderful here. You will meet a lot of bad people. And so, but that's anywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, that's true. I do think there's a higher concentration of like major narcissists here, but who, do you know how many I mean, shitheads I met in Seattle? Like it's a total, it's a different, maybe different not, type of maybe narcissist, not narcissist, yeah. like exact narcissists that are like, Oh my God, how do I look yeah. today? But like, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, so what was, uh, uh, what did your parents do growing up? And by the way, I'm very sorry about your mom. I don't know if it's sensitive to talk Thank about. You. No, I'm, I'm such an open book about all. I always say I'm emotionally slutty because I will literally tell anyone who will listen about my childhood trauma. <laughs> so That's no, hilarious. it's all on the table. Um, you should add that to your stand up if it's not already, in you there. know, it's not. So. And I see, I'm going to remind me to make a note about I that. Um, so I, my mom, um, was actually she didn't work for the first six years of her life Mm -hmm. um my dad is a carpet cleaner he owns a small carpet cleaning company and she kind of helped with that and Mm -hmm. then he's also a drummer so he's he's he was always on the road always work nights and then because money was so tight my mom became a barista Mm -hmm. actually speaking of serial killers she used to serve coffee to gary ridgeway oh shit the green river killer if anyone knows before he was caught and then we literally like saw it on the news one day and she was like oh my god that's gary he comes in a I mean, this is the best scoop ever. I mean, it was like, like what I'm thrilled to hear that we were literally driving through what's called Peasley Canyon. It's like creepy area with this this huge canyon. And we're going to the movie theater. Me and my mom, my sister, I was like 11. And we saw all these guys in orange vests, like with, you know, picks and Uh shit trying to get in the dirt. We're like, what's going on? And then we got home from the movie and we saw on the news they were looking for bodies. Oh, my God. So so so, uh, how when did he get caught? So you you were kids? I was probably 10. So, yeah. So it was probably like 2000. But he had and he had been very active all throughout oh the 80s God. and 90s. Do you so. listen to my my favorite murder? Of course I do. I want to write in. Like, I was like, oh this my is God. your hometown. Oh my you God, it's my hometown. I d- literally just told my sister last week, I need to write in to Karen in Georgia and they'll, you they'll flip. I'm, to. I'm going to. Oh no, my God, I totally you have to. Like, I'm make so a note jealous. on that too. I'm so jealous. I don't have a hometown. Like I always think like, do I know anything? Like, no, I literally, we have such a connect. My mom was shocked and horrified. So if anyone doesn't know this case, he killed many, many women, all sex workers. So, but she served him coffee. So anyway, she was a barista. My mom was a bartender for like 25 years before she had us Mm -hmm. and then she actually worked really hard because she didn't um graduate high school in the traditional sense she got her ged and you know had to Mm -hmm. work her way up she got her real estate license and had a pretty successful career in real estate until the bubble burst Mm -hmm. so that's kind of what my parents did that's awesome and you had a career before you moved here and just started it not just started it's started doing stand-up and um, on the show. What was that again? Medical sales? So I did medical device sales Uh for four years and capital equipment sales for two and a half years Uh before all this happened. So what brought you to LA then? Was it for that job or? It was for that job. So Mm -hmm. I originally moved from Seattle to San Diego um, with the same company, the medical device company. So that basically means I sold spine implants. So I would be in surgery all day long with surgeons, helping them with our products. Oh, wow. Um, Really stressful job, like, constantly I was at the hospital sometimes for like 17 hours in a row would sleep for a couple hours like come back and do it again Mm -hmm. so I moved with that company from Seattle to San Diego because I was really unhappy in Seattle and I had been there forever 
hated San Diego. It wasn't for me. No offense to anyone who lives there. Like it's a great beach town, but it just wasn't the right pace for me. And I never, yeah. I never like clicked with it. Ever. I'm with you on that. I don't feel like a, like a beach town person. Like they're fun to visit, but like, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm too high strung and ambitious to be like chill beachy person oh yeah chill stresses me the fuck out yeah so I'm exactly. not like I'm, a chill yeah, I'm like I don't trust person. you why are you so chill right mm-hmm. now I don't understand where why you're not showing your anxiety Mm-mm. about the situation mm-hmm. yeah so I was there for a year and a half and like I said like I never clicked with it and then in that time I had already gotten the capital equipment sales which just means I was selling like bigger machines to hospitals mm-hmm. so not in the OR anymore but still pretty stressful and my territory expanded up to LA. Mm-hmm. So I was really happy, really unhappy in San Diego and was just like, I don't want to give up and go back to Seattle after I've had this really tough year and a half in San Diego. So why don't I just move to LA? Because mm-hmm. I can. So I decided to move to LA on a whim. And two weeks later, I ended up filming with Vanderpump Rules and my whole life changed. So how did that How did that come about? Did they cast you to be at that party or did you meet No, it was totally random. So like I said, like I had lived here for only two weeks Mm -hmm. and my girlfriend was like, hey, I'm going out tonight. Do you want to come with me? Like I, um, I know someone who knows someone who said like the Vanderpump guys are going to be there and they want some girls to like kind of be in the background. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, yeah, sure. I'd watched the first few seasons of the show, but hadn't seen it in a long time. And was like, that's such an LA thing to happen. Like, cool. Why don't we go do that? So I ended up going with her and we ended up filming that night and I was riddled with anxiety for the next three months because I was drinking a fuck ton and like having fun Mm -hmm. and I was on camera and capital equipment sales is really staunchy, like uptight, old school. I didn't even think about that. So, well, I wasn't thinking either and just like went and lived my life and the next morning was like, holy shit, everything I just did was on camera. What I say, what did I do? Like, I hope this doesn't make it on TV, but we're not going to know for months. So I was worried at that time about losing my job for like mm-hmm. doing that night. And then a few months later, the producers, uh, Vanderpump Rules, reached out to me and they're like, and by that time I had already been doing stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, hey, we're just curious who you are because we're editing this footage and you keep coming up. Everyone's like, who the fuck is this girl? Mm-hmm. And so I ended up coming in to talk to them and it's just kind of how the ball got rolling. Were you nerd? Like, did you hesitate at all about like, should I do reality TV or not? Is this for me? Like, what will this do to my stand-up career or my medical sales career? Like, what was your process with that? I mean, all of the above. I basically came in to talk to them in January and the episode I was in was airing in February. So I was like, I'll talk to them, get some options on the table, like see what this is about. And by that time, I've been doing comedy for like five months and was really into it and was like, I see myself changing my life and not doing the corporate world forever Mm -hmm. and like taking a different path and this could be a good thing for me. Yeah. And I just wanted to wait and see until February when the episode I was in aired to like see how bad it was. I was like, if I mean, if it, they edit me like shit or I don't like it, like I probably won't consider it. But the episode came out and it was really like lighthearted and fun. And then it wasn't even guaranteed that I would film or be a part of the show. But things kept moving forward. And I did start working at Tom Tom, and it just worked out in that way that mm-hmm. I decided to really go for it. And I ended up filming a lot. So that's awesome. So do you work full time at Tom Tom? I'm full time, but you know, well, I am full time between Sir and Tom Tom. Oh, okay. So I serve at Sir a couple nights a week and then I bartend at Tom Tom three nights a week. Oh, nice. I don't think I've ever seen you bartending there, but I guess I've, I don't go that often. I've only I... been, I've only been there for the past few months. So oh, okay. unless it was, it was 
like literally like late November to now, uh-huh. then I'm I'm pretty new there still. Sweet guys, if you want to stalk her, you can go there. But I don't know, be don't that, be don't be creepy stalker. Don't be that fucking person. I know all the tricks. I listen to the <laughs> podcast. You heard before. I'm from the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I will fucking kill you if you try and hurt me. But I know every time I like poke. I feel you, like I feel like I feel like Vanderpump fans are for the most part pretty nice. Like at least the ones you meet in person. To- no, totally. And but I'm but again I'm already like so hyper paranoid. Like actually for you as a woman, how do you feel about this? Because when I even before I was doing this, when I would like post about shows, I'm like, here's the time and day and place I'm going to be. Come see me. Like, oh, yeah. Do you ever feel scared oh. about that? Like, have you ever had anything weird Not happen? Not only is it kind of scare me, it, I think it freaks my parents out so much. Yeah. Because they're just like, my daughter, it's late at night. People, I'm, um, I'm very fortunate that most of the people and most of like the word fans is embarrassing, but like most of my podcast listeners and most people that come to my shows, like when I do touring dates, um, are female. So that's, that we're already good there. I do have one, Steve. If you're listening to this, you're a great guy. You're at every show. You're freaking me out, um, <laughs> Steve. You better calm down, Steve. On the East Coast, come on, <laughs> but, Steve. No, he's fine. He's harmless. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, but it does like kind of scare me a little bit. But the thing, normally, like when I'm on the road, I usually bring a friend with me, or my boyfriend will come with me, or something. So it's like you're not just straight up alone, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you are basically saying like this is where I'll be at night. Um, and I have to walk to my car at some point. Like, it's, so come, come yeah, see, let's take yeah, a chance let's here. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's, let's tango. But the thing is just as a woman, even if you're not putting yourself out there in an entertainment aspect mm-hmm. and just like people will have easier access to you, it's scary being a woman 24 oh, yeah. seven, no matter who you are, like women have to just look out for themselves constantly. Yeah. So it's just like adding that extra aspect yeah. of like, if you do want to kill me and you're interested and you're watching the show a lot, like yeah. you want to come check it out, I like, this is where I'll be. We have, we can't be so paranoid, but it, it is like, it is a very specific, no, it would eat, like, you, it um, would eat you alive yeah. if you think about it all the time. The thing is though, I think you'll find like once you like have been in the comedy community for like a couple of years, you're going to have such a solid group of friends and a lot of nice guy friends that like, they will watch out for you. Mm-hmm. Like you will be like, I actually feel more safe at a comedy club than I do anywhere else. Like, yeah. Because these are, these are my people. There's like, there's at least, I mean, like last night it was uh, Eddie, the bartender at the Hollywood Improv. It was his 40th year there. And so they had this big party for him. He, Eddie's the absolute sweetest. He's just the greatest. He must have the craziest stories of like working there for yeah. 40 years oh, and yeah. all the people that have come through. But uh, anyways, so like there was a ton of comics there and like, like let's say I was like scared that night. I had about 20 male comic friends that would have, you know, killed anyone if they were you know well that's when it's nice that it's male dominated yeah because when you you have those friends it's like just a few chicks but like there's a lot of guys around to your point like Nikki Glazer posted the other day about a show she was doing and she's like come kill me and I laughed out loud to myself and was just like god I relate to that but like for the most part it's pretty safe I was actually just thinking now that I think about how dangerous it can be me and my friend uh comedian Natasha Pearl Hansen we just did a a European tour back last spring Mm -hmm. so it's just her and I touring in like hostel the sequel yeah yeah, I'm like thinking like yeah we were just kind of and then we would like walk around the city after our show and like yeah that's and we went to like six different cities yeah that probably wasn't very safe like it wasn't like I mean it's just like like I said earlier like you can't think about it 24 7 because if that did happen it would be terrible but like you just you can't live your life you you should be cautious but like you can't live your life constantly being like I need to look over my shoulder or whatever totally totally so how uh what has been uh, it like for you getting into the comedy world, especially with, so I'll speak from my perspective. Like I, 
I'd been doing stand-up for probably five years before I ever filmed on Vanderpump. And uh, I actually also knew right away Vanderpump wasn't for me. No no offense to anyone. Like, I, I don't have the personality type for it. I'm way too A-type. Like, I would be... Like, I always felt nervous to, like, drink on camera because I was like, I never want to accidentally get drunk or something. Like, I always felt just like... And... Oh, yeah, there's just, a like, few things this season that I'm already nervous about just from being drunk and saying stupid shit. I'm like, yeah, oh but it makes God. you human. I just have, uh, you know, it's just like yeah. a personality flaw of mine where I'm like, I'm going to get in trouble if I do anything bad. But um, and, and I also can't handle confrontation. Like, it makes me so uncomfortable. I don't know if you watched the first episode of this season. I'm at that party. That's where we met. Yeah, yeah. I look like I'm trying to disappear into the wall. It's literally like I'm like, if I just stand here and close my eyes and like make myself small, they'll stop yelling. Oh my God. I feel like everyone was so uncomfortable that day, but that was the first day I really met everyone and mm-hmm. the girls. And I was so, I, I like uncomfortable watching it because I can see how uneasy I was the whole oh, yeah. time. Like it was And just... that was the first time we met. And I remember feeling bad because you wanted to talk to me about comedy, but I was in general so uncomfortable at that party. Cause yeah. it was like, I knew like Kristen was already upset. I knew. And then when they started yelling, I was like, I don't, we'll talk about comedy later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> this is, uh, this is awkward. But, um, so yeah, I knew, so I'd, I'd been doing Santa for about five years before. Like I, I, th- I think, yeah, the first season, I think I'd already done like a USO tour. Like I was like touring and stuff. Um, but like, I was like, well, if I go on the show and they say I'm a comedian that might help me like sell tickets more or whatever. I mean, admittedly, that's kind of what I was thinking. Fuck yeah. yeah. But I also remember thinking like, are comedians going to either laugh at me, make fun of me or whatever? And I think some did like right at first. I think they were kind of like, oh, like she's a sellout or or whatever. She's just, you know, she's now only getting shows because she did that. Like people and I, it was hurt my feelings at first and then I was kind of like oh if they were given the opportunity they, they would too it. yeah so have you experienced any of that like were you nervous about melding the two the comedy and the show and like how have other comedians treated you since you know I mean I definitely think there's an aspect of that but like for me personally I try not to spend too much time worrying about anyone else's opinions because like to, to your point like you the anyone given this chance would use whatever platform they had to mm-hmm. talk about the things that they care about, whether it be comedy or acting mm-hmm. or whatever your passion is. So like if they were given that chance, they would take it and maybe 100%. they've been working their ass off for six years and they are very funny and they've developed, but they just haven't mm-hmm. gotten that lucky shot yet. Yeah. Like I, I get how people could feel some kind of way. And I'm also really forthcoming about the fact that I have not been doing this nearly as long as so many other comedians I know that haven't made it to the next level yet, but are super funny and mm-hmm. really talented but it's just the luck of the draw and it's what happened. What am I supposed to do? Hide myself and be like, and yeah. like when Vanderpump Rules was like, hey, we want to film your stand-up set. Should I have been like, you know what? There's other people who have been doing this longer. So I think yeah. I'll just you not think have do you that do for that. You? Fuck no. no. So no. like it was terrifying and I was worried about mixing the two and having them associated. And I do already feel like I've noticed some of that. Just people, I try not to talk about it when I'm in the green room with other comedians. Mm-hmm. I'm not like, I'm on Vanderpump Rules. Like I was at the comedy store a couple months ago and Katie and Tom came to my show and I feel like there was like two other people there and someone came into the green room, one of the comedians and was like, does anyone here watch Vanderpump Rules? And I was like, "Mm." and I just, I just, I just didn't say anything. And then she was like, some of the people from Vanderpump Rules are sitting right out there. And I was like, okay, sorry before you say anything else. Cause I don't like, I didn't want her to like talk shit. And then them say that I was on the show. I was like, just FYI, I'm on the show. And like, they're here. I'm new that you haven't seen me yet. Cause the show hadn't aired. 
And I was just like, after I said that, I feel like everyone kind of looked at each other. And I definitely feel like after I walked out, they're like, oh, that's why she's here. At the Comedians can be very catty and very oh, mean. Yeah. I've experienced it many times. Like, oh, yeah. I, I had a lot of like, I was more female comics. I'm sure the male comics just weren't saying it to my face or I didn't. They just it, won't. It, it no, the male get, comics just won't laugh at your jokes, but the female yeah. comics will make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And, or I'll, I'll just hear that they were talking shit about me. Like, yeah. yeah, that was kind of a big thing where they were, people were mad that like they wanted in somehow with like the Vanderpump thing and like, or like, I don't know. They were basically like, people can be very mean. And it's like, you know, it, especially in my case too, where it's like, these are genuine friendships I've had for uh, I've known Kristen for 12 years, you know? Yeah. I embarrassingly dated Jax like 10, 11 years ago <laughs> or whatever. Like, these are people, I've, these are like friends of mine. It's not like I just like used them for, you know? Right. But anyway. Well, and people people like to try to discredit you, especially if they maybe feel threatened. But like, isn't there a chance that I happen to be on this reality show, but I'm also really funny and I yeah. also am a good stand-up comic and yeah. I'm still developing? And hey, like, it's how Theo Vaughn got to start. Uh, Really? Theo Vaughn was on Ro- Real World Road Rules. He hates if people bring it shut up. He's the very, fuck, very... Shut the fuck up. How did I not he's know that? He's very sensitive about it. Because, well, he's also one where Theo Vaughn is one of the funniest so fucking funny. people so funny. out there. It doesn't matter that he did a reality show. You know what I mean? Maybe that got him a little bit of a following, but like, he's he's where he is because he's genuinely really funny. Totally. And like, you're going to get to where you're going to be because you are genuinely really funny. And I texted you after I watch you on the show and like for all the, the for people that are being mean first of all stand-up is very hard it's so fucking hard second of all you you'd only been doing stand-up how long when you filmed that i think eight months eight months and yeah. also like keep in mind if you're doing stand-up for eight months like it takes fucking years to get good at this and it's yeah. truly a craft and it's a gift and it has to be developed yeah but also imagine having a camera crew there and exactly. lala and ariana and tom and whoever else was there that i was nervous that like hadn't even seen me yet and didn't know me very well and i'm like if I make all these people cringe, that's going to, that's going to be my a more terrifying situation. Like the, the, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, mm-hmm. but like, I want to reiterate to my listeners, if you are being like critical of her, like, first of all, public speaking is people's number one fear. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, if your other number one fear was like, uh, you hated spiders, it would be like going on TV and having spiders crawl all over you. Like <laughs> it's so hard and filming is hard in general too. Like you mix two of the scariest things you can do and you did a really good job. Well, thank you. Yes. Yeah, she sent me the sweetest text and I really appreciate it they the thing is Vanderpump Rules producers are not out to make anyone look good so if you if you fuck up or you say something stupid do you think that, or do something, do you think that for sure uh, yeah no I don't, actually thought you were going to go in a different way with that no but you're right they're not that's no not, no because and I'm not saying that I actually love production I yeah. think they're all they're some of my favorite people on the planet I'm yeah. not saying they're out to make you look bad I'm just saying if you fuck up like if I had blown that and mm-hmm. I and I had forgotten my set or something like horrible had gone okay. wrong that would have been the focal point of the 100%. night. So yeah. like it's so going into that me just knowing like you're about to do this, do it to your best of your fucking ability. And I still get really nervous before I get nervous before open mic still, which mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't. Well, know I think world, open mics are actually scarier scary because you're in front of comedians and, yeah, it's and they're only, not going to laugh. And, laugh and it's yeah. only like three minutes. But like I get nervous before every show still. So it was like I I mean, I've never been more nervous in my life than that moment. And again, doing it less than a year and then knowing people were going to see that kind of out of context on TV mm-hmm. and judge it was just scary as fuck. So like, don't knock it till you try it. It's yeah. really fucking hard. Yeah. Like I have so much respect for you that you've been doing this for so long and gotten to the yeah. level that you have. I absolutely love it. But I mean, I, I feel like I could never not do it. It's like a yeah. part of me now. Yeah. It was like a part of me when I first started. Like I remember like the first set I did, I was like, Oh, I do this for forever now. This yeah. Is, this is what I do. No, this is who I am now. Like yeah. I was deep in my, my corporate world career when mm-hmm. I started doing it. And then, 
like during the day I would be on, I would be on conference calls and just be like writing jokes and like not giving a fuck about what I was doing and being like, this is so what I need to if, be doing. If, if you're, and this is a good thing for my listeners too. If you're being pulled in a direction and you love it, it it's for a reason. Lean like, in. Like, yeah, lean into it for sure. I seriously want to shout from the rooftops how much I love Hempland USA. It has changed my life. Hempland USA is here to change your mind too about CBD. So we've all heard about CBD and its amazing health benefits, but with so many CBD companies out there right now, it's starting to become white noise. I was beginning to think the same thing too, and that's until I tried Hempland USA. And one of my biggest concerns with trying CBD is because I have no thyroid gland and it really does affect me quite a bit and I'm always tired. I was like, I can't take CBD during the day. Like then I'm just going to fall asleep, you know? But Hempland USA is different. The best thing about Hempland USA is they have a next level CBD product called ECS5 that no other company out there has. So it basically, ECS5 contains a unique blend of black pepper, clove, hops, rosemary, and jujube that supercharges CBD so that your body can process it more efficiently. And that's the one that I take uh, in the morning during the daytime. And in a weird way, it like calms my anxiety, but then helps me focus it's amazing. I also take a different one of their products, CBD for nighttime. I sleep through the night. Last night I slept 10 hours. It was amazing because of my Hempland USA CBD. The other cool thing about it, they have um, creams for like body aches and pains. I've mentioned this before, you know, um, my my dad has had cancer most of my life and he's he's fine, don't worry, but he's in constant, he has constant nerve pain and he is now obsessed with Hempland USA. He puts the cream on his muscles. He takes the tinctures in the morning and at the night and it's definitely cut down on all the Advil and stuff he was taking, which is so much worse for you. So like I said, like many of you, I've tried CBD in the past and it just didn't do anything for me or made me too tired during the day and like wasn't the right mixture. And I gave up on it for a while until I discovered Hamplin USA's groundbreaking ECS5 product. And like I said, CBD is great, but ECS5 takes it to the next level. It's a game changer. And now is your chance to experience the next level CBD product that everyone is raving about. Hemblend USA's proprietary blend of full spectrum CBD enhanced with ECS5 is available only at hemplandusa.com. It's the beginning of a new year, so now is the time to begin a new healthy habit. Hemblend USA's ECS5 is the perfect complement to your daily wellness routine. They also have a full lineup of tinctures, soft gels, THC-free products, topicals, and a canine formula to meet the needs of your entire family. And you can take 20% off your next order at hemplandusa.com and use offer code BEHERE at checkout. It's Hempland USA's mission to help everyone feel their very best. And they are so confident that you'll love their products. They offer a 100% lifetime satisfaction guarantee. Experience the Hempland USA difference today with offer code BEHERE at checkout. That's Hempland USA. Use offer code BEHERE at checkout for 20% off. So what is your writing process? Do you do you just have ideas and try the stuff out on stage or do you write the whole joke out? What? So I've, it's, it's kind of changed over time, but I consistently, whenever I think something could be a joke or funny or catches my interest, mm-hmm. I, I, have a, I just keep a note in my phone yeah. and I'll do a couple keywords mm-hmm. and then I'll get home and play with it and just like see where like it, it ends up taking me. And I usually type it out. Some people say don't like the most talented comedians, um, like I can't, who the fuck, what's his name? It was a, it was a long time ago, this old bird who'd been doing it forever. 
did a special and literally mm-hmm. didn't write one thing and just like got up on stage and did a whole hour. Who was I, that? I don't know. I have to be honest. So those are my best sets. Like when I have just ideas, oh well, I will tell jokes. Well, if I'm headlining and I'm doing a full hour, I will tell like solid jokes that I know work. But some of the funniest stuff is the improvised stuff and the stuff that I go off on tangents about or observations I've made in the room. Like I just did a show in Denver and it was in like a hotel, like kind of conference room, ballroom thing. It was actually really cool. But like my first... 10 minutes we're talking about where it was like I felt like I was selling them a timeshare because that was like what it felt more like that than a comedy club and it was like that I just came up with five minutes before the you know the show well and even that like crowd work I feel like that's where my newness shows when it when you when I say like development like I I do think I'm a naturally funny person Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm also like writing is my strong suit I've always loved to write like I've I've ghost written for years for all my friends for big speeches they had and like Mm -hmm people's wedding vows and I will not name who that is but like I I've just like always had that knack so Mm -hmm. that part comes to me more naturally but like the things you have to learn just doing that like that's my biggest fear just going out and start talking about it although I'm sure I could get to it that's just time I'm too scared I'm too scared right now like I need more of a plan you've only been you haven't been doing it even a full year right or a year a little over a little little over over not even a year and a half like that's the I definitely wasn't doing that then like that's just stuff that you build up to like that's why there's a reason why they say it takes 10 years to get really good at comedy. Mm -hmm. Like it's, you're going to be good and you're good now and you're going to be good in five years. You're going to be, you know, doing great shows and stuff, but like to get really comfortable, it does take time. Well, and that's where I try not to let myself get discouraged and like, what is that saying about um, comparison being the th- a thief of joy? Mm-hmm. Like when I'm like when, when I'm on a show with another, with other comics, I'm like, fuck, he just killed or she just killed. And yeah, I'm immediately comparing myself and I'm like, but how long have they been doing this for? And yeah. and, the, and we're different people. And so like, I don't, I think it's too early for anyone to say if I'm going to be a successful comedian because like, I'm still really new at it. And I think you are naturally funny. And I think if you stick with it, you will. Like, I think there are some people that comedy cannot be taught to. And yeah. I think it's, but that's kind of rare. I mean, I think you have to be naturally funny, but if you do it for long enough and work on it, like repetition. Whatnot. Yeah. So, um, but I think my, sorry, my advice to you though, is don't compare yourself to other comics. Like keep your head down. Like just, it's good to watch a lot of comedy because then you just sort of like, it's like, um, um, watch greatness, imitate greatness, become great. Kind of like just immersing yourself in it. But I wouldn't compare yourself like, cause that will torture you. No, I try not to. And it's so just like social media, people dragging me, you know, Vanderpump, just how it happens. I try not to read any of that mm-hmm. because it's just not going to serve you in any way. Yeah. Like there's this girl, um, Chase O'Donnell, shout out Chase. She is, she came up we about the same time, like been doing comedy. She's been doing it a little bit longer than me, mm-hmm. but she is truly one of the funniest people I've ever watched, but we have such different styles and our content is completely different. Like mm-hmm. she's a lot more it's hard to like more like innocent like have you ever seen crashing with pete holmes mm-hmm. yeah she's she reminds me of him okay. like she yeah, so yeah. she's just like really innocent has this whole funny like background story but mm-hmm. mine is really dark and really gritty and sometimes sexual and like it's just we could not be more yin and yang yeah but like every time i'm on a show with her i'm excited because i love her and i'd love to see her but i'm always like fuck i'm gonna like feel like shit after watching her set and like be beating myself up about it and that's something i'm trying to work on right now like not we're different people. We're different comedians. Yeah. Like she's also been doing it for longer and I just need to not pay attention to that. But yeah. so right now for the writing process, I, um, I'll write out a joke and play with it and change the wording. And I do try to pretty much memorize it. Not, not word for word, but like just the concepts and make sure I have it down pat. And then the first show I ever did was at the federal in North Hollywood. And okay. it was, um, love that venue. It was in March of last year. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, first time not doing an open mic. And um, 
my sister happened to be in town for her birthday and I literally had 25 friends come because they were so excited that I was like coming next. I was like so excited, but obviously a lot of pressure and I didn't bring a set list on stage with me and I shit you not, I completely blacked out like a minute in, forgot all my material for like my sister recorded it. So like you, I can tell like, and when I got off stage, no one noticed, but like Mm -hmm. for 10 seconds, it was the scariest, worst 10 seconds of my life where I'm like, holy shit, I'm about to have to slink off stage until every, I had all these people come and I don't Mm -hmm. remember any of this. And it was like, that's truly the worst feeling on planet earth. Oh yeah. Listeners, five seconds even where you forget something on stage feels like the amount of thoughts that can go through your head are like, I'm dying right now. Nobody likes me. Everyone hates me. I'm just going to, I have to quit. I think I have to move out of town. Like the amount of thoughts that in a short period of time are terrifying when you're on stage. It's really polarizing because that is truly one of the worst things I've ever felt in my life Mm -hmm. and the biggest fear I've ever felt. But then like when you kill it, there's no better high than like when you have a great set and you're with... Like that's what we're all always chasing, and like why we no, do like, what no, we do. No, I'm like, I want to go do comedy right now. No, we're I'm like, let's go so do much. a mic. Fuck this podcast. <laughs> so I now, ever since then, I always do a set list, and it's always just one word. Mm-hmm. So if I have like I'm doing seven minutes of material and I'm doing five jokes in that time, I just do a word to reference each one, and I keep it in my back pocket. And I haven't actually had to take it out mm-hmm. to date, but like I would rather fucking be at the comedy store and be honest with people, like. I didn't forget my jokes. You did one second and like pull yeah. out my set list and just make a joke of it and then move forward. Then literally have not one fucking thing to say. Oh, absolutely. I don't think that anyone cares about that. I've seen huge comics do that. Like, yeah, I've seen you Bill know, Burr do that. Like, yeah, you know, it's, so it's just like you're working stuff out. It's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so I, I feel like you remind me a little bit of myself in the sense of you're a funny person. Like I'm a, I consider myself a funny, goofy person, but I, I also think I'm very serious. Like I think when people think of a comic, they think of like, Oh, they're always on. They're always like, I, I'm actually like quiet sometimes too. And I kind of noticed that with you on the show where I'm like, her standup was so funny, but you are technically kind of a serious person. Totally. Do you, it's my resting bitch face. It like sets the tone for the rest of my body and my mind. I can't help it. I don't know if that's necessarily what it is. It's also like, you're not saying a bunch of like dumb shit. You seem very intelligent too, or I think, but most Thank comedians you. are. I'm most proud of that. I, I'm, I know I'm smart. My sister's mm-hmm. smart. My mom was really smart. She raised us that way. Like I, I'm proud of that. Yeah. You know, but I, and you have to be, to be a comedian. So mm-hmm. I think that's just a misconception that people think of comedians where it's like, they're always on and they're always goofy. It's actually a lot of the times where you're just observing people and thinking of funny thoughts sometimes too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's not, like you said, it's not always this like, pew, pew, I'm on, whatever, but it's just like constant. And that's my, my comedy style is just stream of consciousness and mm-hmm. it's very dark and self-deprecating, but I'm always paying attention. And like, I feel like in terms of, being smart it's where you're able to come up with like quick comebacks to someone and like even in confrontation or just for the show like I I just am like always ready to like mm-hmm. comment on something yeah you know? totally that's that's well see you're already doing crowd work that's basically what it is if you get heckled um <laughs> quick question and I don't want to be mean because I do not like talking shit about people but my god was that funny when is her name Charlie when she said oh, she fucking she's a. never had pot she's never first of all I don't believe it you know what I for some reason, I I go back and forth because I could see it where she's like, why would someone say that? Because that's so stupid and fucking like ridiculous. But also when you were two, you don't remember if your parents, there's no way your parents never gave you mac and cheese. Yeah. It's, I, I just, I'm like, so much people get so extreme about like, I don't eat carbs and I don't eat gluten. It's like, first of all, people tell me that all the time for my like thyroid, I have no thyroid gland and I have the slowest that it's like a whole thing, mm. Hashimoto's, whatever. 
And people will always be like, you shouldn't eat gluten for that. And I'm like, well, one of my podcast sponsors was a food sensitivity test. And they told me that I wasn't allergic to or sensitive to basically anything besides egg whites and like mm. mustard seed or something. So I think it would have shown up if like yeah. people are just so extreme about like, you know, I don't eat carbs. I don't do this. I don't eat dairy. It's like, okay, if it makes you feel like shit, fine. But like, it's kind of, it just gets so annoying. Well, it was, an, it was even the like, it wasn't just the sentiment. It was like, she was like, I have a theory. That it makes people, people gain, gain yeah. weight. And I'm like, packs it on? Is that- okay, the thing is, yeah, of course, carbs aren't good for you. But guess what? I, I literally, if you, if you ate fruit all the time, you'd gain weight. There's a lot of sugar in that. Anyone like- that knows me knows I eat Kraft macaroni and cheese and hot dogs at least twice a week. That's my favorite <laughs> food. It will be Mixed my last together? meal. Yes. That's awesome. It's a childhood thing. And like, yeah. it's nostalgic. It sounds and really good. It's fucking delicious. But the key, I make the best blue box on the planet. You mm. put, I put real shredded cheddar in it. And it's oh, like yeah. truly next level. And it's my go-to. Like, I like when I get really stressed out or upset, I lose my appetite, but uh-huh. that is the only thing that I, I can actually always eat. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just couldn't relate. That's a personal choice, but it's also funny. Like it's, I don't think it's talking shit. I think it's an observation and it's watching the show. It's kind of a mean thing to say. Well, like I felt like it was just sort of like, you know, girls in America don't need to hear that shit. Like, or young girls watching the show don't need to be like, oh my God, I should never eat carbs again because then I'll get fat. It's like, people have enough hard like hard enough time with like eating disorders and like body problems well, like you don't need to say dumb shit like that. no it wasn't just that it's also fun watching back what a bitch that she was and Danica was and Sheena were like shaming me about not wearing a bra like it's literally such a topic conversation I have huge boobs and I don't wear a guess bra. what Rachel and I both not wearing bras fuck call that. the fucking police yeah. I mean it's I never wear them and it's so I did um I did kill Tony mm-hmm. in anyone who doesn't know at the comedy store kill Tony it's a big podcast actually I'm sure a lot of you know what it is they randomly draw comedians and you do your best minute and they basically roast you for seven minutes and I did that in March two days before my first real show so I hadn't even done a real show that's was like my in the fucking main room okay, of the that's comedy pretty show. brave for you to do that 500 people I'd never done a show I had gone from doing an open mic with 10 people in a room to doing that that is so ballsy I've actually like I remember I mean I know the show obviously but like I remember like when I first started doing stand-up or maybe maybe even halfway in just being like, oh, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't think I have the balls for that. So I didn't know what it was. I was actually there that day to get in the potluck for mm-hmm. the the other, the open, op- mic. Yeah, open yeah. mic that they have. And I, so my, I didn't get it. My friend was like, well, let's sign up for this too. And she had to tell me what it was. And the second I put my name on the list, I have this like really psycho intuition. I can tell when things are happening. Like, cons- uh-huh. I just, I just like, I had a feeling the second I just saw it, I was like, fuck, I'm definitely going to get picked. And we were in the main room and I literally grabbed her arm as he was going to pick the next person. And I went, this is me. And he goes, this name, I can't really say. I just want to make sure I don't fuck it up. And I was like, God damn it. He's like, Dana, Kathin. And I was like, God damn it. I brought material that I was working out. I didn't even bring my best joke and I should have done a different joke in retrospect, but Uh I just like picked one and committed to it. And what joke did you do? about wearing crotchless underwear to Trader Joe's because I never do laundry and I'm a piece of shit and like basically like talking about like what that's like and I mean it was like but I wasn't wearing a bra and I was wearing a t-shirt and obviously I never wear a bra and fucking who was it Kushner or Kushner fucking what's his name Burt Kreischer yeah Burt Kreischer was one of the and he pointed it out immediately and I was just like why is this a fucking thing? Because you have man titties and I'm not talking about yours. I'm not asking you to put a fucking bra on. Did you say that back then? No, and I should have. But I was too. I was new and I was scared yeah, yeah. and it was a lot. Um, so when I'm like watching this show back and seeing what a thing that is, it literally disgusts me. I'm like, hey, you guys are body shaming from all angles right now. And then in one part, they're talking about how I'm not wearing a bra and how it's so disgusting. And then the next scene, they're making their dresses shorter and talking about how they don't wear underwear. And I'm just like, 
you're fucking hypocritical and you're bored and you should be more inventive if you you also find something else to talk about don't talk about other people talk about something Sheena's like fucking won't stop talking even the episode last night I love Sheena though she's my friend I mean and that's fine and like Sheena and I have had a really interesting relationship and I definitely have love for her and like I feel like I've seen you guys hang out no no yeah no we've gotten we've gotten into a good place and like but we've also been through a lot on the show and watching this back is fucking hard Mm because we're we're friends now and it's like there's some of it I'm just like even in Miami she's just like talking to Lala but she's like well she doesn't wear a bra and I'm like bitch you were fucking obviously had some weird insecurity that I brought out in you and you had nothing else to say about me so you had to talk about my nipples like I just can't imagine I would never comment on another woman's body so I can't really relate to that but yeah yeah, the whole pasta fucking nipple gate. That was the po- I just, I was like, what am I, wa- I'm losing brain cells right now. Like I, I purposely oh. watched it because I knew you were coming on the podcast. I was like, I'm going to got to watch the last two episodes. And I was like, I'm just going to keep eating my nachos. That's what I was watching at 5 a.m. eating nachos. Oh my God. What a fucking complimentary <laughs> dish. I just, no, I was like horrified when she said that. Yeah. I was just like, okay. Okay. So a lot of more, a lot of questions I have about the show were, are basically kind of going to be covered in the listener questions. So okay. um, let's go through those. Let's do it. Um, okay. Nicole, this, I know who she is, but I can't say her last name. I'm sorry, Nicole. Uh, what is your fav- favorite thing about Los Angeles? My favorite thing about Los Angeles is the people. Mm-hmm. And I know we covered on that earlier, but yeah. like there, there's this totally electric energy wherever you're going. Like there's always something going on. There's just people from all walks of life mm-hmm. and it's really dynamic and amazing. Yeah. And there's so like, you haven't lived here that long. You're going to like only over the last like couple years, even have I like just started going to like really random neighborhoods and trying like really cool eclectic restaurants and stuff. There's, you could spend 30 years here and like never do it all it's just it's such a cool city yeah I was just talking to my friend about that I've like I've not really I've not been to like Los Feliz and like oh God, like there's it. there's so many places I still haven't even been I'll to. take you to cool places there amazing um this is just Deanna Spear said yay I love Dana she's the sweetest of all thanks Deanna love you see you at Pilates <laughs> she's so sweet I love her love her she's gonna be my guest next week we're doing Jeffrey Epstein part two. Oh shit oh, yeah. I'm gonna listen to that yeah we already did part one it's he didn't kill himself. Next question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, I already did Amy's question from Seattle. Um, Willa said, how did you get into stand-up? I guess you already kind of explained that. And then tips for someone thinking about trying it and your writing process. So I guess maybe just tips for... Yeah, because you already answered the other ones. Um, so I don't know if I said the ex-boyfriend thing. So but basically, oh, yeah, so, so, when I, so when I moved to Los Angeles... I was dating someone at the time that I really cared about and he was in San Diego. So we were kind of doing this long distance thing and he ended up dumping me the week before he was going to Burning Man. So like stayed probably, up probably for the best for you, probably for the best. So Lots I as TDs he came back with. So I was stayed up all night like crying, but then I was like laughing like in the, just like my dark sense of humor and was like, eh, that's funny. And like, so I just started writing mm-hmm. and just wrote all these jokes about these like, you know, gross people that are burning man and glitter nipples and what he's going to be doing. And mm-hmm. I was like, fuck it. I've always wanted to do stand up. My life is at a standstill. I can either be really self-destructive. Like I usually am mm-hmm. in breakups and moments of heartache. Or I was like, let me use this as a lesson and a teachable moment to see if I can like function in like, I'm in a new city, put it towards something good. I love that. So it pushed me to do it, but I'd wanted to do it for a long time. My biggest advice to anyone who wants to do it is go fucking do it. Mm-hmm. The Put three minutes of material together, go whatever city you're in. There's probably a comedy bureau. So Google your city and comedy bureau. It should list all the open mics in your area. Go pick an open mic and just do it. People. And especially if you get up and you say, this is my first time, people are usually really supportive and like, yeah. you'll never know unless you try. So 
put three minutes of material together and just go do it. I love that. Do you find that comedy is healing for you? I like if you're going through something bad, making a joke about it. Fuck yes. But that was also like, I, that's just how I've always been. Like when my, my mom, when my mom was really sick, like that's all I would, my sister would sometimes get mad at me. Like all I would do is make jokes about it. Cause mm-hmm. like I, that's just how I cope with things. But yeah. like now being able to do it and have people laugh along with you and poke fun at yourself is like the best fucking thing ever. Yeah. I relate to that so Good much medicine. when, when my dad was sick, well, my dad has had cancer for 20 years, but he was not dying from it. Um, it's just a bizarre type of cancer. But when he was like, looked like he was dying, he, cause they misdiagnosed him with Lou Gehrig's disease. He basically went from looking strong, handsome 39 year old to like, he looked 70, mm. but he was hilarious. Like he would get up and just fall over because he was so weak and sick. And I would be like, dad, do you want me to go get that for you? He's like, no, I'm going to get up and I'm going to do a backflip off of this. And then I'm going to land in the pike position. <laughs> like <laughs> he was, he was so hilarious about it. And my, when we were like sad about it as kids, I went, I would be like, mom, like, is dad going to die? And she's like, he's only going to die if I stab him to death. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best shit. Yeah. It's like, it like, made it so much lighter and so much, I don't know. It just helpful. It just helps. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, Alex said, did you watch the show before? And what, what is the most surprising thing about the castmates? I did watch, I watched the first few seasons and probably stopped watching it just because I didn't have cable when I ended up leaving Seattle. So I just like pretty much stopped watching TV altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, the surprising thing I would say is how accurately depicted I think most people are like, it's, pretty true. it's, it's, it's a pretty real show. It's a, it's, it is a real show and people are who they are on fucking Bravo on Tuesday nights. So mm-hmm. it was like pretty shocking. I was like, Oh, okay. You are exactly what I thought you were. Yep. Pretty accurate. Um, Kelly said, did you and Sheena move past, uh, the Max drama? We definitely did. And then we got, we got really close over the summer and then ended up having some more issues about some other shit. So it's, it's Sheena and I do not have a linear relationship, but like I said, I do, um, love her and think that she has a really good heart and am hopeful. Good. I like that. Um, I love Sheena. She, I mean, she's been my friend for a long time, so, um, okay. This is Lanaya said, just want, just want to say I'm loving her. She's awesome. She's so funny. She's getting so much hate from people out there, but I stand this woman. And of course you, oh, thanks. Uh, and then she said, so I guess ask her how she deals with the nonsense of people saying negative things. I heard, I once heard this somewhere and I couldn't, I couldn't quote like who I heard this from or where I read it, but someone once said to me, people's opinions about you are none of your business. Mm-hmm. And it's so fucking true. So it's just like I, you could so easily get into a rat hole. Like people like trolls out there have a lot of time on their hands and Mm -hmm. they truly are out to try to make you feel rotten. Mm -hmm. So I am sending them good energy and hoping that they find happiness in their life and just not paying attention to it. Yeah. People are always going to have their opinions about you. So like, don't waste your time with that yeah, shit. Yeah, might as well live a life that they talk about. Right. <laughs> um, okay, January KS, I guess. And then she, she said, uh, who on the cast is she friends with outside of filming and does she feel welcomed by the cast or like a newbie slash outsider? Um, I am definitely close with Katie and Ariana and Brittany, I would say more than um, anyone else. But like I love Lala. I just don't get to see her a lot. And mm-hmm. I love Stassi. Just don't get to see her a lot, but I feel, and obviously the Toms are both angels. Mm. Um, I honestly, people bes- is besides Sheena up front. Everyone was really welcoming. Like I, I feel like they've had 
a lot of opinions about the new people, but I don't feel like I'm exactly clumped into that. And yeah. I've, I just ended up being genuine friends with them after filming. We just like kept getting to know each other. So that's great. I love, I that. love that funky bunch. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, I guess that kind of answers it. Let's and see. Kristen love Kristen. Okay. Uh, Meredith diamond for both of you. Have you seen each other's comedy shows? No, I've not seen it yet, but I might go see her on Friday at the Comedy Store. Um, have you seen mine? I doubt no, it. No, <laughs> nope, haven't yet. Uh, I'm on the road a lot. I don't. I mean, I need I need to perform more here in LA, and I will, guys. But I've just have been focusing on because I'm. You make money on the road, so okay. Well, do you prefer being on the road? Because I actually haven't. I've only performed in LA. Mm-hmm. So what what are the differences? Like, do you like it better being on the road, or in terms of like your audience that you're working with? Oh, and- no, I mean, I I love them both. It's more just like uh, you know, the Comedy Store and the improv. I mean, on certain shows, if I was doing like a door deal, um, I would get, you know, paid good money, but that's, they don't, it's not like they, they're considered workout rooms here. That's how the club's kind of considered. Yeah. So that you don't really get paid. Uh-uh. So you have, and I like going on the road cause I like going to new cities and I like meeting I like my podcast listeners that are in all these different cities. Like it's just fun. And yeah. I mean, that's how I'm making my living now. So I have to do it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I like them both. I mean, they're both yeah. fun. Um, let's see. Keep the rest. Okay. No. Um, uh, nope. Nah, I don't want to be mean, but she said, no questions come to mind, but can't wait. The rest of the newbies seem terrible, but I like Dana so far. She seems very normal. Um, oh, I just thought this was funny. Jen Walker said she was my server back in June when I forced my boyfriend to go to my, to have my birthday there. I got wasted as fuck. Love you, Jen. Yeah. My kind of style. Uh, this is an interesting question. Amanda said, does she feel like she's the new season one Stassi? Oh my God. It's so funny when I see this. People are like, especially like people who are haters and whatever. They're like, mm-hmm. she's trying to be Stassi so bad, blah, blah, blah. And it's so funny to me. Like Stassi, love Stassi, but Stassi didn't invent being strong or like being a bitch or being opinionated. And yeah. I always say like my mother did yeah. for me. So like I, I am a carbon copy of my mom and I don't, I'm not trying to be anyone else but myself because that's I, I couldn't be even if I wanted to like what you see is what you get with mm-hmm. me so I I know I don't feel like I'm the season one anyone I'm just me I think that's actually a funny observation like yeah like people are allowed to be opinionated without copying someone yeah it's so like- and I get it because they've been viewers and they followed her and the cast for eight years so they they would probably look at it through that lens but I'm just being me yeah um, Allison Swagner said, just curious, did she, how did she get on the show? We already answered mm-hmm. this. And then she just said, you're a great addition. Thank you. Um, this one, you, well, I, I got to ask, answer or ask this in an overall way. Do you notice any changes? Cause the question is originally kind of about like two people you didn't want to talk about, but do you notice any changes in like people's and your own like mental health now after the show's aired and people are starting to like either dig up stuff or say stuff like do you feel like well I guess you said you don't really pay attention to it because it's too hurtful I mean I can't like speak for other people but I've also I'm a pretty big advocate for mental illness because I have dealt with pretty serious mental illness almost my entire since I was 13 Mm -hmm. so that's something I'm pretty protective of and I take space for because it's I like I have some serious shit like I have really bad depression I have really bad anxiety I've what's called panic disorder it's oh, fucking wow. a bitch to live with and I have really bad insomnia. what does that mean is it like like panic attacks so panic disorder is basically you're totally normal and then if you feel any kind of trapped like if you're like like I was I was when my mom was dying I was hospitalized when I was 21 oh, for so a sorry. panic attack that I was 
driven off the side of the road for in the middle of nowhere on a freeway because I it just felt like stuck and like I was never going to get to my destination. It just it's irrational, but it basically just means out of nowhere you just like I think fall, a lot of people can relate to it. Fall into this like really horrific, debilitating, and people are like, oh yeah, anxiety. Everyone has anxiety these days, but like I think a lot more people just talk about it. And also, anxiety is physical as fuck. Like mm-hmm. if it wants to take you down, it can. Like I, there's days when I can't function because I have such bad anxiety. So that's something that going into this knowing that people were going to be attacking you no matter what if even if you are perfect on the show people will always find something to come for you about so like it's mental health by the end of filming I was so fucking drained so in another breath like comedy is way harder than it looks doing reality tv is way harder than it looks it Mm -hmm. is fucking real and it is confrontations you're having and when you're in it all the time like we had only done three months of filming and I seriously feel like we filmed for a year because it was so much to get used to and I feel like even everyone who's been doing it for eight years said the same thing. Mm -hmm. So for me, I just try to take precautions and check in with myself and put that above all else because living with mental illness, like every day that I feel good is a W for me. And Mm -hmm. that's my biggest priority to stay on a good path. So I love that. Do you feel like if you ever got to a place where it was too much for you, you would quit the show? Like mental health wise, like we oh, yeah. put that first. Oh yeah. yeah. If yeah. if if I was if I was unraveling and I was consistently I was sick and like how I was a few years ago, yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah. That's I think that's very healthy. And I think it's important that people talk about, you know, mental health. And I think you're right. I don't think it's everyone has anxiety now. I think people are there's less of a stigma to you're it. So they're talking to talk about, about it. it. Yeah. Um, so that was uh Camelia's question. And then she also said, I love Dana. I think she's the best addition to the show since Lala. People were very nice. I don't didn't get one mean comment about you. I don't think when I know I told Rachel when she posted about it in her story, I was like, fuck, people are gonna be like, Tell that bitch to kick rocks. No, 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 no. My listeners are really nice people. Amazing. I'm proud of them. I can tell. Um, They're amazing. <laughs> Carly Johnson, my childhood BFF. Well, Kylie is too. Um, uh, she said who on the VPR's cast did she know before filming? Did you know her? I forget. You didn't know anyone, right? Well, no, no. I yeah. mean, I like I had met, I had met the guys. So I had met the Toms. I had met, and then I was working at Tom Tom. So I got to know the Toms first, I mm-hmm. would say more than anyone, but I didn't like know them super well. Okay, cool. Um, is there anything else? Uh, who has been the least friendly of the cast OGs to her besides Jax? I guess is Jax been mean to you? Is that or probably is that publicly or something? No, I mean there was there was a thing on Twitter a few weeks ago, but we're fine. Like it's I'm not losing sleep over that. So we're like I just saw him. It's not a thing. But yeah. um, I think Jax forgets. He has a very short term memory of what he's mad about. Yeah, and that's what <laughs> that's what Brittany says all yeah. the time. So, so just, you know, you gotta just let it go. Gotta let it go. Yeah. Um, I obviously Sheena. Like she and it was it was so surprising to me just from like what I had seen on the show and like people who had mistreated her. I just. And it was funny when she was like, I just didn't vibe with you. And I'm like, bitch, you vibe with everyone. You vibe with a pumpkin. So you were clearly like had an issue with me for some reason. And I have my own beliefs as to what that was. Mm-hmm. But it was it was surprising to me. But like I said, we gotten through that. And I'm glad that we have because it was ugly and I didn't like it. Yeah, well, that's good. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, tell everyone where your next comedy dates are, if there's any more besides the one um, on Friday, and where they can find them, like social media or... So um, my next show is at the Comedy Store in the Belly Room on Friday, and then I do post story updates. I don't have my February shows lined up yet, but again, that's something I'm trying to work out over the next week or so. So yeah. if you... I am at Danes, D-A-D-A-D-A-Y-N-S. Um, I post on my stories when I have shows. Okay, sweet. Do one quick question. Do you feel that the comedy store is haunted when you're there? Fuck yeah. Okay. Do, so do you know all the stories about it? So I actually, you know, oh God, this is so funny. Um, my parents' house was haunted mm-hmm. growing up. Yes. 
so I've had I've had serious paranormal activity like I've lived that so I don't give a fuck what anyone thinks about that I know it's real and also Mm -hmm. with like my weird intuitive stuff my mom always said like we never had these issues until I was born and then I came into the house and like all the shit started happening I definitely think ghosts follow me around and I'm also can always feel when there is a presence like I Mm -hmm. know it, it like hair back of my neck all that so when I was when I did to kill Tony and we're in the main room. I actually don't know the stories, but I fully believe you can fucking feel it when you walk in there. Oh my God. We were, I cannot wait to send you an article or like a link to like all the stories. No, send me. I'm also obsessed with that because I just fully believe in it. Mm-hmm. My, so my, when I was with my girlfriend who also really believes in all that shit, when, right when we walked in the room, I knew I was going to get picked because of the presence that was in the room. And I, but, but I don't think it was my mom. Like that energy is really specific to me and actually has been harder for me to detect than I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But like, it was so loud. That's why I knew I was going to get picked. I was like, there's something here and it's, it's, I'm going up on stage. It's so funny. I'm, I'm very similar in the way of like, I feel like ghosts follow me around. Like I, <sighs> sometimes I'm like, please leave me alone. So and actually after, I actually was like, when that mirror fell, I was like, I, the wind wasn't that strong. I was like, was it a freaking ghost? No, like- I bet it was also. So when I listened to that podcast, that was about the unbelievable story, mm-hmm. I ended up getting a camera for my apartment, um, just for a security camera. Smart. And unfortunately, it picked up a ghost pretty quickly. And I have, I'll show, I'll, I'll show it to you. Yes. So it's not only like the first, you can see all these orbs and like energy moving across the screen. And I started noticing oh it God, because so it excited. sends, when when something happens, it sends you an event or a sound notification. Uh-huh. And like, I have a, I have a cat who's my life. I'm obsessed with this little black cat, but he sleeps with me. So like he was with me and no one else was there. And then on like the fourth night of having this camera, there's literally no earthly sound that could possibly have picked up what it picked up like this it was a demonic growl oh it was my it was God. like can you post this on your instagram no but will i you post it after we do after the episode is released because okay. i want people to be able to see it okay i will i've actually not because i didn't want to draw more and more energy to it so i went and got oh, um sorry. i so the next no no i i now i feel like it's gone mm-hmm. so i i saged my apartment the next day went to work and i came back and it's the weirdest fucking thing so i'm really really detail oriented I know where every single thing is to the millimeter because in spine, when I worked in that, it's everything was to the millimeter. Mm-hmm. So I notice anything that's different. So I walked to my apartment after I staged it after the night after day after the demonic guy was saying what's up. And I looked and just to the left of the camera, there's this bookshelf and you can't see it on the camera. There's like all these books and there was a photo of me and my sister and it was perfectly flat. Like someone had picked it up, looked at it and was like, nope, don't like you. And it was the only thing that had changed. Oh my God. And I, I went, I like literally my mouth fucking dropped when I saw that and I picked it up and I went back on the, the security footage, the sound that would have made if it was my cat, who's never jumped on that shelf once, it would have made a sound loud enough to pick up, even if it was it's really sensitive. So even if there's like a little sound, it picks yeah. everything up and there was no sound the whole day. And someone had put down that fucking photo. So I went to house of intuition on Melrose mm-hmm. and it was like, yo, I have a demon. Can you help me with this? <laughs> and they're totally understanding like, Oh yeah, we get that all the time. So I spent $82 and did oh a whole God. fucking seance. And also I'm sure if I look back with the security footage, it's, you'll see me being like, be gone. <laughs> like whatever, like with all my doors and windows open and like Juniper, which is stronger than Sage. Sage uh-huh. is just neutralizing and this fucking flu powder and all this shit. And I'm just like going around with the bell. And since then, there's definitely been activity, but I don't think it's not demonic. He's oh my just, God. I, I just cannot have, wait to see this. I have a roommate. Oh my so. God. I'm so excited. All right. Well, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so excited for your comedy career. I think you're really funny. And thank uh, you. yeah. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Bye. Bye.